Thank you all for tuning in to another wonderful episode of the Barrel Chat Podcast. We are a podcast that provides an unfiltered look into the craft beer industry from the untrained palates of two dumbass outsiders. I am Matthew Muncy, and I am joined always by Dustin Wood. How you doing, Dustin? Dumbass number two here, uh, doing well. It's been a hell of a week. Uh, ready to crack open some beer or uh, drink the beer we've already cracked open. And just kind of talk to you about a very big staple of the Indiana craft beer market. Yeah, probably the biggest name beer in this state, I would imagine. And we are talking about Three Floyd's Zombie Dust. I'm sure if you are listening to this show, you have not only heard of this beer, but have probably had it a million times. Probably remember just a few years ago when it was impossible to find uh, (laughs) around the state. We we kind of felt like this is one that we need to do. Everyone probably knows that we're gonna like it. Whereas it fall on the tier list and you know doesn't meet some of the BJCP and we can kind of give uh give some notes on some of the critiques that I know that we've kind of mentioned before. Uh I don't know if ever on the show or not, but stuff that you've also heard other people mention about the uh the beer style itself and whether yeah. or not it should be. So let's just kind of jump right into this thing. Uh, so Three Floyds, they're out of Munster, Indiana. It's like, it seemed like 20 minutes south of Chicago. I'm sure it's a little it's bit farther, but... Super far north. Yeah, yeah, it's it's literally on the border of... They're like a street over from Illinois. Uh, when I looked it up on the map, that was kind of cool. <laughs> but Three Floyds has been around for, for quite a while. I think they were around before Sun King, if I remember right. Zombie Dust is the staple beer that they have. They have a few others like Gumball Head, um, Robert the Bruce, Robert the Bruce, and that then, space one I see all space the time. Space Station Middle Finger, yeah, yeah. that one. Um, they have a lot of staples, but Zombie Dust is, I think, a lot of people would argue is the beer of Indiana. Yeah, I think there's an argument to be made for it's the house beer, probably of Indiana, like readily available beer. Um, I also think a lot of the beer nerds that listen or, you know, we know would also say that their Dark Lord is like the staple sought after beer in Indiana. So they might have both crowns, so to say, uh, or both wrestling belts in Matt's terms over there. The world champions of Indiana beer. Uh, I mean, I would bet that Zombie Dust is up there on the most recognized beer in Indiana, and I would also bet that Dark Lord is up there on the most recognized like whale out there. I would imagine Zombie Dust is up there with most recognized in the country too. It well, just, yeah, it, it feels like one of those beers that that you put you put up there with the the Treehouse beers and well, stuff like that when you're talking about quality and brain recognition. And stuff that people were like clamoring for just five years ago. Oh yeah, there there would be people following the distribution trucks from Monarch, yeah. who distributes it here in Indiana, every Tuesday or something like that, to the liquor stores and buying the limited number of six packs or bottles even that yep. they could buy. For a while, there was like a two bottle limit, and if now if you go looking, you can go to Costco and get a like a flat pack. Of zombie dust. Yep. And a flat pack of gumball head. And both of those were damn near impossible to find five ish years ago. Yeah. It is kind of crazy how how that has all changed. So zombie dust is a pale ale. 
six and a half percent ABV, 62 IBU, which we are going to bring up here in a few minutes, and has a 4.25 on untapped. Damn, that's pretty high. I'm guessing it's in the like hundreds of thousands of check-ins. Yeah, I think it was like 280,000 unique check-ins, and it was like 800,000 total. That one lady's only accounted for like, you know, uh, 8,000 of them. That is true. That is true. Uh, this beer is a single hop pale ale made with citra hop. Wanted to try and uh, find a little bit more notes about stuff like that when we uh, when we dive into these um, house beers. So the, the citra brand, this was just kind of a fun history type thing that I didn't know. Uh, the citra brand is a registered trademark. And it was developed by the Hop Breeding Company, which is a joint venture between uh, two companies that were funded by the by Sierra Nevada, Deschutes, and Widmer Brothers Breweries. Came out in two thousand seven, um, and it supposedly has a lot of like citrus, grapefruit, and tropical fruit characters to the beer, and it's obviously an American hop. Hmm. So I just thought that was kind of interesting. I was what I've been trying to do with with some of these beers is try to find what the actual ingredients are because obviously in a in a pale ale or an IPA or something like that, the hops are going to make a huge difference. What's in there, and that's going to be where you get a lot of your flavor from. Uh, so I've been trying to figure out. It is hard to find that information. I don't know if that is like they just don't want to put it out there so people can't just easily knock off their beer despite the fact that i know zombie dust there's like a there's huge a clone. Homebrew clone of it which obviously it's just a single hop so it can't be that hard to clone it but some of these like ipas and stuff like i don't know you go to some of these brewery websites and there's just no information it's just like this intern wrote something oh, yeah. about it and it's just like you're not telling me anything about the beer you're like trying to sell me through a description and that but it doesn't tell me what I'm about to drink. Like, tell me what, what is in this? Like, like at least with the stouts and stuff, they're like, you get coffee and you get yeah. toffee and you get chocolate, but like, you don't get any of that really with, with these, like, like with the, the tax man ones, episode nine, it's, it's like spices. Okay. What kind of spices? Or it can't, it's KFC herbs and spices, baby. <laughs> yeah. It's like, give me a little bit more. It's like, I don't expect you to put all 18 spices <laughs> on the thing, but like, give me, we a use hint. thyme and nutmeg and <laughs> yeah. Give me a hint of what I'm supposed to be tasting here. Okay. So I see here on the notes, you had talked about can design. Um, I did want to start bringing that up. I, I kind of wish we had brought it up in the previous ones, but I don't really feel like we've had any unique ones. And I noticed like, Zombie dust is a big one. But like, we didn't have a can for at least two of the episodes. Yeah, I mean that's true. So, so either way, I'm we trying can jump to jump in now. I'm trying to bring a little bit more to to these episodes than just simply us uh imparting reviewer knowledge that may or may not be great. So okay, looking at this can, it's one of the twelve ounce cans you can get in a six rack or a twelve rack. Yeah, I got these at Meyer. Um so it's interesting enough that it's a twelve ounce can that's unique. Um, in the beer industry for the most part. I mean, both of these will be tonight. But one huge pet peeve I have with this branding is the description of the beer is ungodly hard to read. It's a black, like Halloween typeface with a white outline, a heavy white outline that makes it pixelate. It's just not 
it didn't get exported correctly or it didn't print well. So that's that's disappointing. And everything kind of has this like pixelated effect to it. The can is interesting, like the zombie dust graphic on the side. They call it an undead pale ale. So would that be a UPA? Yeah, I couldn't find that in the BJCP. <clears throat> like a UPA? I looked. Uh, so that's interesting to me. Uh, the description itself, if you put it close enough to your face to read, it's basically, it's this intensely hopped and... Gushing. Gushing. I thought it said bushing. I was like, what the hell is a bushing? Gushing. Undead paleo will be one's only repite after the zombie apocalypse. Um, it's interesting that it's all citra and everything like that, but the red, you don't see many red beer cans that aren't Budweiser, which yeah. is interesting. Um, it's interesting. Is it my favorite can design from Three Floyds? No, by no means. Molotov cocktail is a dope ass can for that uh, Mokalov cocktail or whatever it is. It's their oh, like yeah, milk yeah. stout, that yellow, pink, purple, uh, like interesting can design. But it does say what it is, big and bold on it. And if you face it the right way, it does stand out to say that it's zombie dust as opposed to how the older branding was. I mean, because the older one was just a bottle. Yeah. And so it was kind of plain. So it is kind of cool. Like like you said, they all red. I really like the red. It makes it stand out. Um, obviously, you don't see these because you don't see the red can because it's just in a box. But when you see these on the shelf in your refrigerator, they stand out. Or like because, a pick six at Kroger yeah, or something. Because everything else is black or blue or white or green. So like red just really sticks out. And, I mean, they put on here, it's not normal. And yeah. It definitely is not. And I think that, that lends itself to the beer, That's too. hard to read. That's hard to see. I didn't actually see it. Oh, no. Uh, I'm in bad lighting, but, no, that's cool. I like that. I feel like that's similar to Dogfish. Dogfish has, like, where the unordinary or something like that. Yeah, you're not wrong. I don't remember what that is. Man, I haven't had a Dogfish head in quite a while. Uh we should probably do a 90-minute or a 60-minute. Yeah, we should. But should. anyhow, can design, it says what it is. It's okay. Um, it would stand out on shelves. Like, if they, and I mean, the, the design itself, like the, the Zombie King and everything is, is on the box. So, like, it, it does stand out among everything else. Um, I do really like their, their art and stuff, and but I'm a, I'm a metalhead and everything, so... <laughs> Uh, this all is very kind of metal and, you know, I, and I'm also into comics, so that all just works for me. Um, it may not be elegant, um, <laughs> but it's not trying to be. So I, I don't think of three Floyds as elegant. So. Yeah. Yeah. I just appreciate, appreciate what it is. All right. So let's jump into this, uh, BJCP style guideline here, starting with a little bit of history. Uh, modern American craft beer era adaptation of an English pale ale. So basically it just means that they dumped a bunch of hops into a pale ale. We Americanized it. Yep. Reflecting indigenous ingredients, hops, malt, yeast, and water. Prior to the explosion of popularity in IPAs, it was the traditionally the most well-known and popular of American craft beers. So that makes perfect sense. One thing I, I might as well just point it out now. The one big weird, not even an issue that I've always had with this beer is it, it, it rides that thin line of, 
of pale ale and IPA. Is it this? Is it that? Exactly. One thing, and it's always hard to find like what actually actually differentiates the two. Cause I, I've looked it up and one thing said it was, it was like based on ABV, but then the ranges were overlapping and it's like, okay, well that doesn't make any damn sense. And then IBU and the ranges overlap. Yeah. And the ranges overlap. This used to be a 50 IBU beer. So they've went up 12 IBUs. It's interesting. The zombie ice, which they just released uh, this week, which would be middle of or end of February. Um, Yeah. Yep. Uh, they just released that this week, and it's their like pseudo imperial version of Zombie Dust. So it's like a double, d- double hopped version of it. It's fifty IBU. In what? <laughs> I just looked it up on here, uh, which also has a great. I'm going to derail here, but I'm also going to uh, show here. So it says it is eight point five percent ABV and fifty five IBU for Zombie Ice. Um, but the definition is perfect for the beer compared to what the zombie dust is. Um, and well done to three Floyds for this, but crafted with an unholy amount of citra hops, this undead pale ale heralds the zombie evolution after the dust is settled from the apocalypse. Just a nice like play on zombie and dust in the description. Yeah, that is pretty good to be like, Oh, this is what happens after the dust settles in the zombie apocalypse. Well, let's jump right back into this guideline. The overall impressions, a pale, refreshing, and hoppy ale, yet with sufficient supporting malt to make the beer balanced and drinkable. The clean hop presence can reflect classic or modern American or new world hop uh, varieties. The clean hop presence can reflect classic or modern American or new world hop varieties with a wide range of characteristics. An average strength hop forward pale American craft beer, generally balanced to be more accessible than modern American IPAs. It's not wrong. Like, if that is what this is supposed to be, like, it definitely hits that pretty easily. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that it says it's like more accessible than a modern IPA, which. Maybe that was written before the like haze bombs came out because that's super accessible or like approachable now because it's like citrus. So it's basically what this was, but on steroids where it's more fruit and more like uh, stone fruit types of notes. And I wonder if this was gauged upon like West Coast American IPAs. I think based on my experience, when I first started drinking craft beer, I did not like IPAs at all. And I could do a pale ale, but it was the amount of it was that overly bitterness. Oh yeah, the IBUs a hundred plus. Not even <laughs> just that, like just a normal IPA, like um, oh, like Dragonfly. Like I didn't really enjoy Dragonfly, but it was because of the just the overall bitterness of the hops and mm. and stuff like that. And you know, as as I've done more exploring of the craft beer um, world itself, like you start to realize what is good, what is bad, what you actually like and, and stuff like that. And there are certain IPAs that I, I truly dig now. Um, but I do, I do understand like what this is supposed to be of like, you're going to get a little bit of that hop, but it's not a, it's not overly hop. There's not, it removes the bitterness and stuff like that, or at least that's what I'm assuming it's supposed to do. Interesting. Well, let's jump into appearance here. Um, and let you kind of walk through it, but 
I think it's on the nose so far, but uh, we'll break it down yeah, now. It's definitely off to a good start. Appearance-wise, pale golden to light amber. Yeah, it's definitely got some amber tones to it. It could be the lighting in here, but it's golden, amber. It, Get it, out of here. It's it's nicely lit and warm in here. Well, <laughs> I don't know. It's like you put there it in is one amber. and it's dark. There is a little one. bit, but especially with you, you've got the like reds in the background. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll trust what you say. So definitely golden moderately large white to off-white head with good retention that's 100 percent. oh it's retaining perfectly yeah mine too and when matt poured his it had a monster head on it could have been a piss poor pour as well but that was probably mine poured with a great head and i'm not swirling this beer at all right now and it's sitting in a teak glass and matt's is in a different type of like wine glass ish Uh, it's a prairie artisanal ales glass. I just can't describe it. Uh, but they're both retaining head. It is like a almost like off white. Think if you left a white t-shirt in a like a smoking bar for too many years. Um, this is kind of how I would describe it. Yeah, yeah, it's not perfect white, but it is also super clean. Uh, there's no haze in it whatsoever, and it is, I mean, like damn near translucent yeah it does say the beer should be generally quite clear although dry hop versions may be slightly hazy so i think this is just clear as like i can see my fingers through it on the other side of the glass so i can see a funny outline of matt through it (laughs) but it's clean it's definitely golden it's almost like a goldenrod color with a little bit of like orange thrown in so is that amber maybe but it's uh it's a nice golden color. Yeah, it's probably more golden than anything else. Aroma-wise, moderate to strong hop aroma from American hop varieties with a wide range of possible characteristics, including citrus, floral, pine, resinous, spicy, tropical fruit, stone fruit, berry, or melon. I feel like it's pretty strong hop. There's a lot of hop on the nose. I also get a little bit of like a floral note with some piney notes. Or maybe that's resin is probably the floral and resin. It's not piney because it doesn't have like that uh, spruce sort of smell. But there's a lot of hops. There's a lot of uh, like fruit notes. So citrus, of course, because you're massively hopped with citra. But I do get a little bit of like spice. Not sp- It's not so much spice, but like a, it's definitely smells like it's going to have a like a hop bite. Yeah, I don't get spice in the smell. Do get it later on. Um, I get a lot of citrus. I would I would say maybe a little floral, but uh, I don't. I can never remember what the hell a stone fruit is. Think normal fruits. Like if it's think treehouse beers, those smell like stone yeah, fruit. No, that's yeah. This is mostly just the citrus, and I think you're gonna get a lot of that just because of of what it is. How how. Maybe a little melon. Like it would be a... interesting to to do a side by side of this and um, GFJ from Sun King, since that's their big grapefruit beer. So, uh, yeah, like, I what expected a little like? more grapefruit in this, and I don't get a whole lot in the nose. I don't know if I could actually tell you exactly what grapefruit smells like. You could if you smelled GFJ. <laughs> well, yeah. None of these specific characteristics are required, but hop should be. Apparent. 
Low to moderate maltiness supports the hop presentation. It may optionally show small amounts of specialty malt character. Uh, bready, toasty, biscuit, or uh, caramelly. <laughs> Great word. Fruity esters vary from moderate to none. Dry hopping, if used, may add grassy notes, although this character should not be excessive. Interesting. This would be, an, uh, and to be fair, they may have dry hopped that, the zombie ice, but I would totally try like a dry hopped version of zombie dust. Yeah, I would. Zombie dust would probably be really good barrel aged. Like if they could that figure could be out how Indiana City did their barrel aging of that IPA. It like could a, be an interesting, like, I feel like a rum barrel would do this really well because mm-hmm. it would bring a sweet note to it. And I think it would kind of round out this beer, but it would be interesting. We may just have to age one on rum in a glass. <laughs> <laughs> flavor wise, we're looking for moderate to high hop flavor, typically showing an American or new world hop character. Citrus, floral, pine, resinous, spicy, tropical fruit, stone fruit, berry, melon. Basically everything that we just said in the aroma. This is where I get the spice. It's not a lot, but there's there's a tidbit there. Um, it's definitely more citrusy, more, more just fruity in general is what I get. For me, it's hard to it's hard to to start like being like, well, this is tropical, this is stone, this is, but like, it all just kind of tastes like fruit to me at a certain point, and that's kind of what I get. It's, it's very, it's, it's just delicious. I mean, there's no bite, so you don't get that IPA bite. It's not super spicy on the back end, like, like anything like a rye or or spiced beer or anything like that. But it's like just a hint enough to, to let you know it's there. Yeah, it's almost like there's. As much of a hop profile as some of your modern day IPAs. Yep. But the malt and kind of bitterness that comes with that also balances it out. And there is some sort of spice in it. It's not quite a rye spice. Uh, but it I don't know. It is like know. a hop spice, but instead of it coming at the end, it's like right in the middle. Yeah, it's it's super strange. It hits like right after you swallow, but not like a linger. Yeah, I I don't know what that what that is. Maybe it's just an abundance of citra, and nothing else, or the malt bill that they use, the grain bill. Low to moderate, clean, grainy malt character supports the hop presentation and may optionally show small amounts of specialty malt character. There's definitely malt on the nose, and there's also quite a large abundance of malt in the flavor, but it's just like a subtle malt. Now. Would this be cool if it was like quadruple malt and they turned it into like a, a zombie dust malt liquor? Fuck, I could get behind that. This, yeah, like this sort of has has me remembering that 18th Street, uh, like Rise of the Phoenix. That yeah. was like a multi IPA. So it's like a step down from that is like what I'm kind of getting out of it. Yeah, is like there, it's not a malt bomb by any means, but there's enough there that you can definitely taste it, especially like it's something that um, lingers after yeah. you've drank it. Like that's kind of the lingering feeling for me is the maltiness of it. It also lets out more as it warms as well. Um, Cause we've had these poured for a good 25 minutes or so. Yeah. And I can definitely tell that the body's getting thinner. So it's not, we'll talk about mouthfeel here in a minute, but it is changing as it warms 
and the flavors are changing a little bit, of course, as it warms and it's letting out more of that like malt and like bitter flavor profile. The balance is typically towards the late hops and bitterness, but the malt present should be supportive, not distracting. Caramel flavors are often absent or fairly restrained. I don't know if I could. I I mean, they're not there, but it's just like, I can't imagine caramel in a beer like this, to be honest. Fruity yeast esters can be moderate to none, although many hop varieties are quite fruity. Moderate to high hop bitterness with a medium to dry finish. Definitely a dry finish. Mm Mm-hmm. Hop flavor and bitterness often linger into the finish, but the aftertaste should generally be clean and not harsh. Not harsh at all to me. Yeah, no, it does linger, but it's not a... The spice disappears that we were talking about, and I'm just kind of hanging on to some malt towards the back end. The hop dies off a little quickly, and then it's just like a malt flavor wrestling around in your mouth. It's like a little bit of hop bitterness towards the end and then the malt and that's really what i get in the back end mouthfeel wise medium light to medium body moderate to high carbonation overall smooth finish without astringency and harshness i think it has a pretty medium body like it's not it's not thin it's definitely not heavy but it's one of those where it's like ah you can maybe have two of these before you really start to feel it in your stomach yeah it's so to me it is of like the perfect definition of a medium bodied beer mm-hmm. it holds the carbonation well it holds a head well but it's it's drinkable but like you said maybe two or three if you're doing pints two is probably as many as i would want yeah kind of back from- to back and that's from a like, how's it gonna sit on your stomach, making you feel full? Not from a on quality drunk of after two, well, yeah, or quality nonsense of, yeah. or anything, yeah. So it's interesting. Um, we mentioned earlier that we weren't sure if it falls in an IPA or a pale ale. Uh, so really, the BJCP didn't kind of break that down. Um, but what I do think is this is as close to an IPA as you can come without drinking an IPA. And what I would love to know is, like, did they do that on purpose? Maybe. But it this just, was brewed so long ago. Like, Yeah. This was, like, with, like, a sip of sunshine and all that shit way back, like, way back. And I think they just wanted to be different. And they threw a ton of citra hops because it was probably the new varietal at the time. And they said, let's figure this shit out and throw it in. And they were like, oh, this is really good. Let's see what happens. And then now everybody and their brother knows about zombie dust. So I don't know if they intentionally made it hoppier than your traditional pale ale or if that's just how Three Floyds brews. So Three Floyds opened in 1996. Holy shit. (laughs) I didn't realize that. That's old. Yeah, they... Opened originally in Hammond, then they Shit, moved this... to Munster in 2000. Does that mean they'll be 30 in three years? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, which also makes me feel old, but... <laughs> right? Yeah, wow. I didn't realize it had been that long. So... And when did, does it say when they started brewing Zombie Dust? Well, it had to have been 2007, because Citra didn't exist until 2007. <laughs> yeah. So right as we were graduating high school. Yeah, I well, I was in college at that point. Oh yeah, I'm just old for my class. But yep. uh 
Interesting. But I, I do think it was right around the same time as some of these others that are still hanging around from like Focal Banger and Lawson's and all the others that were kind of the OGs to the like citra, like fruit flavored, so to say, IP, like pails. So you know what's interesting? I'm looking at a list of their beers here. And Alpha King is an American pale ale. Zombie Dust is just a pale ale. It's an undead pale ale. Space Station Middle Finger is an American pale ale. But if it's made with American hops, which Citra is, or did I get the Citra information wrong? But I don't think I did. Maybe I did. Maybe American pale ale just means it's a different, like, class of IBUs. Because I'm guessing Space Station Middle Finger has way more IBUs than this. Could be wrong. I've been drinking a long time. No, it's on according. So this is from Wikipedia, give or take, you know, how up to date this is. Obviously, it's not that up to date because these zombie dust can say. Maybe they don't say on here. Yeah, no, they don't. But on their untapped, it even says 62 IBUs. Yeah. Yeah. Citra came out in 2007. That's just what I keep seeing. So then this had to have been made with something different beforehand. But then again, like, what's the difference? What is the difference between an American one and this? Or did, or because it wasn't made with Citra, they just never updated it. What the hell was it made with originally then? Because yeah. this was the, like, original Citra beer, at least to my knowledge, um, in Indiana for sure. So, like, what? It couldn't have been made with anything else, then it wouldn't be zombie dust, right? That's what I, I mean, I guess it could be made with anything, because technically you're just calling it a pale ale. Yeah, um, let's see. Citra hop, Yakma Valley hops. Maybe it'll give me some information. Yeah. Well, heck, this I'm finding that Citra, so Citra must have been created in 2007, but not even released until 2008. Nope. Um. Okay, so is there different varieties of citra that were maybe, but so on hop lists or hops list, terrible fucking name, hops list. That's hard to say. Um, Hopslists.com. Citra is an American aroma hop, uh, was created by John I. Haas mm-hmm. um, and released to the brewing world in 2008. But if I scroll down here, it is Gene. Probasco is credited with having first bred citra hops in 1990 after trialing a new variety variety of iconic hops with Deschutes Sierra Nevada and whatnot. Oh, oh shit. Here we go. Citra was a cross that was originally made in the 80s. Yeah, so it looks like it was like early 1990s, late 1980s. So maybe it's just changed? Maybe like whatever the citra hop is now? It was probably branded citra in... 2007 it was named citra as opposed to being just like pseudo called citra until 2007 yeah this says it was originally made crossbred in the 80s and through breeding by 1990 resembled the hop that would be known as citra okay so it was zombie dust was probably brewed with clone or like uh experimental hop seven or whatever the fuck it would have been called back then not citra and then now they use the same hop, same profile, but it's known as Citra, so it's a Citra Pale Ale. 
So it sounds like one company really had this originally. And that's kind of wild. Yeah, this dude, Gene Probasco, created it. That's a bit different than the information I found. That's what you get for going to Wikipedia, I guess. I feel like we should go to Hops List. It's got a pretty good detail to it. Yeah, no, I'll have to keep that in mind for, for future. Interesting. Um, but, so it was probably Zombie Dust Experimental Hop or something until it was named Citra. Yeah, no, I mean, that could be, that'd be interesting. That'd be interesting to kind of find out now of just have to do a little bit more digging uh, into the Citra world because that seems like a really interesting interesting way that it just like came to be and then all of a sudden exploded. Oh, yeah, now it's like the most com- one of the most common hops that are put into anything. Exactly. Um, tier list. Um, so let's, let's at least go back over. We only got two so far, uh, and they are both S-tier beers. Cosmetic Beer Company's Italian Pilsner is currently uh, on the S tier in the eighth slot, and Moontown Cecil New England IPA is on the S tier in the ninth slot. Hmm. This one's going to be interesting because I know where I'm going, but I I don't know where you're going. As a pale ale, I have slight problems with this beer because it doesn't match up with any other pale ale I've ever had. Um, but brew quality and everything else, aroma, smell, uh, uh, aroma, taste, it's, it's beautiful. It's crushable. It's something I would go to consistently if it was on tap and nothing else looked good, I would order a zombie dust, and I have. So... I would say it's a high A, maybe a low S. My problem is I don't think it's better than Cecil or the Italian Pilsner. Because I would go to both of those first. Kind of figured we were going to be way off on this one. So this, this is, this might get me some shit. This is number one. And my reasoning for that has nothing to do with it being a staple in Indiana has nothing to do with how hard we used to fight to get it because it now sits on shelves and it's, and like you, it's not what I immediately go to. But for me, this beer has so much character to it. It's available everywhere. It is drinkable. It's crushable. You could go through a six pack. You're going to fucking feel it, but you know, both ways, but you could do it and still feel happy throughout that entire time. This beer has been around for quite some time. It feels like, and as far back as we know, it still tastes the same. So like they have it. Yes, it's mass produced now, but like, to get to that mass production and to keep it all exactly the same, it, it there's no change. You're not getting it different in a can, in a bottle, in a keg, on tap. You know, like it just it doesn't change. And for me, I honestly think it is a perfect beer. 
And I know that it's probably not, but from just a simple minded beer drinker in the craft beer world, it is a perfect beer. It's a great starter beer for people that are looking to get into IPAs and stuff. And I think that's where, I think that's where that, that for us, it, it makes it hard to say that this is number one. Because of that mindset of like, well, it's a good starter beer, well, but everyone has to be in a starter beer. Some people never leave that starter beer level, and there are plenty of starter beers that fucking suck. Yeah, like, so there my- are just so many house beers out there. Like, I will say this: I had a Gumball Head not too long ago, and it was disgusting. I don't like Gumball Head either. I used just- to like it, but like, I had a can of it, and the beer tasted like shit. So maybe it was a bad can. But it's like, okay, I'm not buying Gumball Head anytime soon. But we don't have this with yeah. with this beer. And like everyone wants this beer. You talk to anybody out there and they're like, yeah, it's zombie dust. It's good. We people like us may not be buying it on the shelves all the time, but like that lady on Untapped who had checked in like thirty thousand zombie dust, like it just has that much sway and rated that bitch a five every time and it's like Uh, i can't disagree with her so my only reservation with putting it at a like a one is i know the highlight is better and that's a house beer i i mean i think like Lawson's but, Sip but, of Sunshine is a house beer, and I think that's better. And it's around the same time; it's been out just as long. It's just as well known. The Sip of Sunshine, a pale ale. It's an IPA, but so, but I mean, it may be. But I mean, we also have to think about we haven't drank it yet on the show. So again, you could put something one, and then it yeah, it could slowly drop. drops. So it's like I understand that there's maybe something that could be better but do we know that sip of sunshine still good i mean it's been around the same amount of time well, i, I know, but assume I mean, it like, is to this day, but i mean that's kind of the problem is you don't know until you drink it like we could have had this and it could have been complete shit and then we could be talking about it being a d beer and it'd be like well that's weird where the zombie does go i know there's a large gap so i know it's not going to end up number one but for me that's where it's at currently. I could go seven above. So put it at the high point and we can move it forwards if need be. I just have a hard time believing that it's the number one house beer in the country. We could put it at one and drop it down after that, which is fine. Man, And that's, that's where it gets so subjective too. Cause like for me, is it the number one house beer in the country? No, <laughs> No, like I would take Belching Beavers peanut butter porter over this any day of the week. Peanut butter milk stout. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, milk stout. Um, uh, I mean, you're also looking at things like uh, fuck M43 is probably a goddamn house beer. It is because it's it's always on the shelves. So I mean, there are ones and home that, style. Like, we may choose over it, but does that make it better? So how are we rating at that point? I, I is it f- like flavor? Uh, is it drinkability? Is it what we would go to if? So I, say this was say this was on tap. Belching Beaver was on tap. 
home style was on tap. Like five or six other of the other insanely good house beers are on tap. I mean, I mean, throw in Italian Pilsner and whatnot. But like, where are you going? To me, the biggest the biggest flaw with that example is which ones can we go get on the shelves right now and which ones can we not? Because that impacts your choice every time. Like, in my mind, like, if if somebody had Belching Beaver right next to Zombie Dust, yes, I'm ordering Belching Beaver all day, every day, because I literally can't get Belching Beaver any other way than if it just magically appeared, like, at the tap or something. Like, it's impossible for me to get otherwise. So, like... To me, that's the only flaw I see in that is just, and and arguably, I think it also comes down to zombie dust is now not that hard to find. Like five years ago, we may have said easily top five because when you got it, it was special. It's not special anymore. And I feel like special plays a part into what this, what this is like cosmetics, Italian Pilsner is kind of special because you only get it when you go there. Well, it's also a style you don't get very often. Yeah, but like which is to which is to say zombie dust is also a style that many people don't order often. Yeah. Because one you don't see many pale ales on tap, regular pale ales. Two they don't just fucking nobody brews them anymore. Like if it's going to brew a pale ale they're going to brew an IPA. Because that's what the world wants, because that's what popularity wants. So I don't know. I know it's it's a great beer. So I'm I'm open through like three through seven. I think the number one spot's gonna kick us in the nuts one day. It's gonna just show up and be like, hey, I'm number one. You can't fuck around. I'm the best. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some beers that that I think we've had in the past that we could say, I believe this is gonna be number or would be number one on your individual list. Maybe that's also what we should keep is some individual ones to Kind to of round see the variance, yeah, and then maybe we just say here's the average of those two, and and go from there. This is where doing the top fifty sucks. Is like we could just say it's an S tier beer. Like if we were doing this normally with how they do these tier lists, you just say it's S tier and go. But I also find like it makes it too easy. Well, it's a conversation point too, and then you don't have these conversations about it either. Yeah, I think I could go. I mean three, three. Okay, I was gonna, I was gonna say four. Let's go three. That's fine. I just. I just think it's that good. Like it is a beer that is starting to become all over this country. And it is just so, so good. Like every time you drink it it is fantastic. And, and to me, that's what makes a house beer is that when you have it, it's the exact same every time. And I, the Italian Pilsner Cecil have both matched that. Oh yeah. There's just, and, and maybe it comes with the, you know, assuming it's been around, let's just say it came out in 2008. Obviously it's older than that, but let's say it was 2008. That's still 14 years. That's way longer than any of these other beers that we've had on this list so far. There's a lot of character to that. There's just, there's some nostalgia built in there from you. And it's, it's hard to say that this is, that this is not better in my opinion, better than the other two because sometimes it feels like we push zombie dust down now. A, because it came out so long, we do the same thing with Sun King Cream Ale. It came out so long ago that, well, everybody's past it. Well, it's not trying to beat yeah. everybody now. 
But like if they brought this to every like it would probably still win medals all the time if they put it in stuff like that. I don't know if they do any of that, but like I'm sure it's won medals before. Interesting. I don't know. I, I don't know if they've won any medals with zombie yeah. dust or not. I don't even know if they go to any of them. So yeah, they may brew too far off style for it really to fucking matter. But it, there's just, there's a reason a beer like this becomes as prestigious. Oh in, no. In I mean, this it country was, as it does. And I, to me, that says something like to me, you're right. I, I get it. My problem always will come for what I'm going to order, but that's unfair to zombie dust. That's yeah. And that's where ma- making these lists is tough because it, it's the same, but it's just like you leave this state and you talk about zombie dust. People know what you're talking about. It used to be the only trade game we had in Indiana, but now we have, you know, the four fifties and the, some of the sun King rares and, moon town and whatnot that people kind of know about but it's it is a beer that i think if you were to poll craft beer drinkers and find out what their like number like what started their experience in like the craft beer industry it would be up there with your like uh syrup nevada pale ale and yeah dogfish 60 minutes and things like that that have been out for a long time have changed what people actually think a craft or slash beer can taste like. Because, hell, if this came out in 95 or some shit like that, this was like on the forefront of crazy flavored beers. And if you drank this next to most other things you were drinking, it was going to blow everything out of the water because you're talking Bud Light, Budweiser, you know, Coors, Banquet, all those were the like staple beers then. Because the craft beer had that weird like dip because you had the bubble the first time, or I guess the economic crash or whatever it was that killed all the breweries. Yeah. I three I think three works. I think three is it makes sense. Three Floyds, three seems fitting. I actually <laughs> hadn't even thought about that, but that that does seem to fit there. All right, we're gonna give it a three. Let us know what you think. Where, <laughs> not, where, not out of five. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not out of five. We gave it... Out of 50. Number three out of our top 50, essentially. Um, so I'd love to hear what you guys think about this beer. Where do you think it should be on this tier list? Where is it at on your tier list, on your top 50 list? Do you have a bias against it or for it? Yeah, I would love to know. So uh, you can follow us on Instagram. It's at Barrel Chat. Um, send us... Send us uh, some DMs and stuff if uh, if you want, uh, especially if uh, you don't like what we have to say about you. Slide up in the DMs, please. <laughs> More the merrier. Um, but we'll post some different stuff up on the uh, on the feed. So we love it when people interact with us. It, it, it's a lot of fun to just talk beer with people and and find out what they do and do not like uh, as compared to us. Uh, if you do enjoy this show, please leave us a five star rating on whichever podcast app you use. That does help people find this show which just makes it more fun for everybody involved. Uh, and if you got a specific beer that you'd like us to review, uh, let us know. You can drop us a DM on Instagram or send us an email. We're at, or it's a barrel chat podcast at gmail.com. We try and make it a beer that we can easily obtain ourselves. So like we can go down to total wine or Meyer or to one of the local breweries. Um, if it's a beer that you want to give us, like let's say you have a rare one that you just want to share with us or something, uh, we'll gladly accept that as well. Um, nobody's taking us up on that offer yet, but 
one day somebody Fuck Greg. <laughs> no, Greg has offered us beer to several times to drink on this podcast and and tell him what it is. And I'm a little afraid to do it because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But I do step on that <laughs> motherfucker's toes. Uh, I do have a challenge for the listeners that uh, haven't reviewed yet. Um, there is a review from Sean Manahan. I don't believe that it's actually titled Sean Manahan. It's Dr. Hoppenstein. Dr. Hoppenstein. Um, that is uh, one of the best reviews you could ever read about a podcast. Um, if somebody can top that, be a huge, huge asshole. That's fine. But just have fun with it. Make it interesting because the more of those kind of reviews, the more people are going to read them. They're going to giggle. They're going to say, well, shit, now I need to go listen because this guy was like, you know, talking a bunch of crap. But then they said, I love these guys. And, you know, Mike and Steve are great or whatever the fuck he called us. Yeah, Mike so. and Kevin. <laughs> All right, well, with that, we will see you all next week. Cheers. Cheers.